You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Anyone in here ever experience a setback in life? Anybody ever? Yeah. If you if you if you have if you're not nodding your head yes, um, you're lying. You're in church. Don't do that. It's all good. Um, but if you if uh, we all experience, if you've lived longer than six minutes, you've experienced setbacks of some sort. Like it, it's life sometimes gives us setbacks. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to give you four biblical principles for a strong comeback. Because I believe that every setback is a setup for a comeback. Yes? But that comeback is determined by you. And, and I believe there's four major principles in the Bible that I think that will set us up for the greatest comeback. And if we can get these, you'll have the comeback that you, that you need, major comebacks. Because some of you have had setbacks that, that basically have taken you off course, have knocked you off course, knocked you off purpose, knocked you off your line a little bit, and there's, there needs to be a comeback season. And, and the world as a whole has experienced like a global setback. Anybody watch the news? Yeah. Global setback you know, this last year and a half and this week and yeah, all, all that fun stuff. And we've experienced all this and we get, how do we, how do we, you know, that setback can knock some people out, but it can also propel other people forward. And I just want to be on the other side of that and saying, you know what? Every setback is a, is a setup for a comeback. And this is my comeback season. So I want to give you four principles that ensure that if you apply these principles, and they're in the Bible, this is amazing. If you apply these principles, I believe you're going to have the strongest season moving forward. Amen. Somebody need that? Anybody need that? Okay. I think we need it. And I think there's no better um, example of a comeback than Jesus's resurrection. I mean, talk about a comeback. Friday, was a setback when Jesus was crucified. And it was a setback that scattered his followers. They all fled, took off. Peter went back to fishing. And Saturday was probably one of the most lonely, I don't know, days in Peter's and John's and, and these guys' life. Their hero, their friend, I mean, crucified. Their hope, their future, their mission, everything. It was a setback. It was dark. But then Sunday morning. Come on, Sunday morning. Sunday morning changed everything. When Jesus walked out of that grave, come on. There is, I mean, death is a pretty big setback. But not even death could keep Jesus from the comeback. And what a comeback, it changed everything. Nobody saw it coming, and yet Jesus walked out of that grave. And I think there's some principles that we can learn in that story, in, in the events that transpired before that about setbacks. And then we can see a, a, the first major principle uh, in this series. We're going to see the first major principle of what caused that comeback, that epic, epic comeback. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 18. It's, it's starting in verse 2. It says, Now Judas, who betrayed him, I like how John, whenever they list Judas, and this, no bitterness at all. Right? Because every time that, that, that he mentions Judas, is like, oh yeah, you know the dude that betrayed him. Like forever known as Judas the betrayer. Judas who betrayed him 
knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they were carrying torches, lanterns, and, and weapons. And then skipping down to verse 12, it says, Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. This is Thursday night before the Friday Jesus was crucified. And this is a, a major setback. Now, this is the start of the setback. And it started with betrayal. Jesus faced betrayals. And, and sometimes the setbacks that we experience, that you and I experience in life are caused by other people. Anybody had any of those? And it's not necessarily your fault. In Jesus's case, Jesus was perfect. Jesus did nothing, nothing to deserve betrayal, which proves that sometimes betrayal happens. Sometimes a setback caused by other people happened and we're undeserving. Now, let's just be honest. I got to be honest. Sometimes I'm deserving of betrayal of other people's stuff. Cause sometimes I'm stupid. All right, sometimes I'm a, I'm a fallible human being and sometimes we, we make mistakes. We say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Don't say the right thing, like whatever it might be. And we make mistakes and it, it sets up other people who are hurting or whatever triggers somebody else. And there's reason that, that I triggered that. But in Jesus's case, he did nothing. Jesus was the perfect leader. Whether you believe he is God or not, you have to agree, at least we can agree on this, that Jesus is the greatest leader who ever walked this planet. And the reason why I say that, John Maxwell says, the definition of leadership is influence. And here we are 2,000 years later, and 2,000 years later, not only is Jesus the most quoted leader ever, but Jesus is the most followed leader of any human being currently on earth, and, and currently, and, and throughout all of history combined, nobody has a following like Jesus has. I mean, Jesus, whether you believe he is God or not, is the greatest leader. And I believe because I believe he is God, I believe that Jesus was perfect and that he did nothing to deserve Judas's betrayal. And sometimes, sometimes you get betrayed, not because you're stupid, because someone else is. And it's nothing, you, it's just, it just happened. It's just, it's just the way it, it goes. But listen, this is the lesson that I want you to see in, in Jesus' betrayal. That even though Jesus was betrayed, he didn't allow it to jade him from reaching the thief on the cross. What do I mean by that? That many of us, because we're human, because we feel, when somebody hurts us, we put up barriers and walls, and we lay down trust. And because we got hurt by one, we now paint everybody else with that brush. And because we got wounded by one, we put up protection mechanisms so that no one else is gonna ever wound us like that again. And while we're doing that, facing the pain of the past, we eliminate and create own, our own messes in the future. And we might, we might while one relationship hurt us, we, we forever hurt the relationships ahead. And yet Jesus, Jesus got betrayed by Judas and, and next day is hanging on the cross after facing beatings that left him, as the Bible says, unrecognizable. And he's hanging there dying 
and, and, and in agony on the cross, and yet he still has the heart to minister to a, a thief, has a question on the cross who's undeserving as anyone has ever been undeserving for Jesus to pay attention to. And Jesus didn't allow the betrayal of Judas to, to limit him from reaching the thief on the cross. What a God we serve. So if you've experienced setbacks, don't allow your setback to cause you to limit the relationships moving forward. John 19 verse 1 says this, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Flogged, by the way, that's where, I don't know if you saw... Um, the passion of the Christ, but that's where they would take shards of glass and, and metal and rock and stone, all the rest of it, and, and tie it to leather straps, and they'd launch it into his back and just wait till everything dug in, and then they'd rip to where there was not any flesh on his back, and then they'd nail him to a wooden cross, and he's got, like, exposed like everything, and, and, he's, and the only way he can breathe is pushing up and down on this cross. This is, this is the most inhumane torture anyone's ever faced. So Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him with a purple robe and went up to him again and, and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Now Jesus faced a setback of betrayal, but he also faced the setback of a beating. And sometimes our setbacks occur when life just beats on us. One hit after another. It's circumstances. They just seem to stack up. And when one thing goes wrong, anybody ever notice one thing goes wrong? It's never just one thing. Like it just kind of triggers. Anybody know they say trouble comes in threes? They say that for a reason, because you ever notice that sometimes life just circumstances around you just stack up? Anybody ever else notice that when your wash machine breaks down, so does your dishwasher and your fridge all in the same week? Like, it's just amazing how this all, this all just all transpires all at the same time. Like, what is going on? Like, one thing goes wrong, everything else goes wrong. And sometimes our setbacks occur. They're circumstances. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes... Life is just unfair. And sometimes life just beats at you. It just seems like, man, you're just getting one hit after another, after another, after another. And you get to the place where you're like, I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. Just one hit. You just feel like you're getting beaten to a pulp. But yet the lesson that we can learn while Jesus is going through this physical beating Undeservedly, he didn't deserve what he got. Undeservedly, he didn't let the beating distract him from his mission. Because sometimes when life comes at us, when you lose a job, you didn't lose a calling. Sometimes we allow the setbacks in life, undeservedly so. Sometimes we allow the setbacks in life 
to distract us from our calling or our life mission. And if Jesus, is, of anybody, had a right to say, man, I, I don't deserve this. Yet in the midst of all this, when Jesus got spat on, when he got beaten, when he got flogged, when they mocked him, Jesus didn't push back, he didn't fight back, and he didn't allow it because he knew he was here on a mission. Don't allow your setbacks to distract you from your mission. Verse 16 in John 19 says, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic simply means Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two others, and each one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Jesus is on the cross. He, he bled. And sometimes our setbacks cause us to bleed too. And I'm not just talking about physical bleeds, although some of your setbacks will cause you to physically, but sometimes, what I'm talking about is sometimes you'll bleed emotionally or spiritually or just financially, whatever it might be. And what I'm talking about with the bleed is this is what, what happens when you start to lose what you need to keep. Sometimes our setbacks cause us to lose what we need to keep. And our natural response when you experience a setback that causes you to lose what you need to keep, the natural response is to panic. We begin freaking out and panicking. What do you, what do, you do when someone's betrayed you? When circumstances are stacked up against you? When you're losing something you need to keep, what do you do? And that's where we come to our first principle for a strong comeback. Because there are certain things, there are impossible situations that all of us face in life because life is unfair sometimes. People are unfair sometimes. Sometimes we, we end up losing what we need to keep. What do we do? There's impossible situations that only God can deliver. And principle number one. And, and by the way, each one of these principles, these four biblical principles, start with the letter G, which means they're more anointed. That's just preacher talk. I, some of you are like, what? No, in preacher talk, if we can come up with a sermon that rhymes, or is an acronym, or all start with the same letter, for some reason they're more anointed. So this is really anointed series, just saying, just anyway. It's going to help you remember. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. I'm just kidding. Some of you are looking at me like, what? I just let you into a preacher's secret. It's all good. First principle is when life causes setbacks, you get into an impossible situation. Sometimes, number one, we just need God. We need God. You know, as a pastor, I've done many funerals. I've been at many, the side of many deathbeds. I've been in some horrific situations, emergency situations, and, and all the rest of it. And there's one thing that I, that I, fascinates me that, I, that I've noticed over the years of doing all these things is that at funerals, there's a big difference between doing a funeral of somebody who's a believer and a funeral of somebody who is not. And the biggest difference Honestly, 
is hope. In, in, a, in a funeral, it's, there's, grief is the same, but hopeless grief is something completely different. And I have no idea how people go through life without the hope that is Jesus, without knowing God, because we serve the God of the possible and that we are never in a hopeless situations. And even in death, he still gives us a way out because Jesus got out and said as the first resurrected. And because of that, if those who believe in Jesus, guess what? There's always hope. And not, I'm not talking hope just as wishful thinking. I'm talking real peace, inner peace, hope. It's not just good enough to believe that God exists. Even the devil believes that. We need to believe in the God who can, the God of miracles, the God we sang about, the God who's too good to not believe, the God who, who, can, who can heal cancers and diseases, the God who can restore broken situations and broken families and, and mental health can be restored and all these things, the God who there always is hope, that always, that, the God that has the last word, that when the doctor gives you a, a death sentence, it doesn't matter. That, that doesn't matter as much because it's not, it's not his word that's the final word. Our God's word is the final word. That we always, as believers, always, always, always have hope. And that we believe in the God who does miracles. Look at, look at Peter said this in Acts chapter 2. In, in verse 24, Peter said this. He says, but God raised him from the dead. This is Peter's very first sermon very first sermon, the launch of the church after Jesus rose again from the dead, this same Peter who 40 days before he says these words, denied even knowing Jesus to a servant girl who ran away and got so that he left his mission. Jesus said to him when he called him, Three years before, he says, you're not called to fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And what did Peter do with the setback that occurred to Jesus? He went right back. He left his mission and went right back to fishing. And yet this same Peter, after he saw Jesus come back, in the first message said, you got you to gotta see what I saw. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. And I need you to see this. Listen, we just read these words on a page and we don't see how Peter would have been, with so much authority, would have been saying, you got to see, you got to know. Imagine that servant girl who saw him deny 40 days later going, that's a different dude than I saw. That's a different confidence. Look at it. But the God who raised him from the dead, freeing him from anything, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And he's going, it was impossible. The God we serve made it possible. And Peter's thinking, and Peter's saying with so much passion, so much force, he's thinking, there's nothing. There's nothing now going forward that is impossible anymore because of my Jesus, because of my God. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, the confidence that he went from being, he went from being a coward denying 
in front of a servant girl to giving the rest of his life and risking his life and ended up giving his life to preach the gospel and wasn't even afraid of death anymore, wasn't afraid of anything and all the imprisonment, all the rest of it. In fact, when he got imprisoned, just a couple chapters later, it says he fell asleep. Being sentenced to death, death the next morning, he fell asleep in between two guards. That's how, this is how worried he was. He's just like, I'm out. Like, <laughs> fell asleep and angels had to wake him up. He was sleeping that deep. Angels showed up, he didn't even wake up. They're like, Peter, let's go. Because he had that much confidence. He's like, man, God can get me out of situations. Anything is possible. Jesus said it, Mark 9. I don't think the guys really believed it until they saw the impossible happen over and over and over again. Jesus said this, everything, everything, that's a big word, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes in the God of miracles. It might be unlikely, but with our God, it's never impossible. Come on, amen? So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, what circumstances. Maybe someone just betrayed you. Maybe life's just been beating on you. Maybe you've been losing something or are losing something or will lose something. You know it's coming up that you, can't, that you need to keep and your natural reaction is to panic. The first way to come back is to realize that nothing is impossible with our God, that all things are possible. And if you're in an impossible situation, you are never without hope, never without Without hope because we need sometimes there's just situations where we just need God we just need God takeaway is this Rick Warren said this pastor Rick Warren he said you never know God is all you need until God is all you have now this is this is pastor Rick Warren who authored the purpose-driven life who pastors Saddleback church in California, who's a renowned speaker, pastor, leader. Presidents call on him for advice. I mean, this is Pastor Rick Warren. He didn't say that in the midst of the peak of all of his success. He said that right after losing his son to suicide. His son committed suicide, was battling with a mental illness, committed suicide. And after losing something that he needed to keep, losing his own son, that was devastating enough. Well-meaning Christians, come on, sometimes the church is stupid. Went after Pastor Rick because saying, well, it's suicide, so you know where he went, and da 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 and all the rest of it, and what you did, you should have done, and you should have known, and all the rest of it. And so all the people he felt betrayed by the people that should have been supporting him the most. And then he's a public figure, so guess what? It was all over the news. Everywhere he went, it's everywhere. I mean, life was beating him down, and in the midst of all of that, he writes, you never know God is all you have, is all you need until God is all you have. About a year after all this happened, Pastor Ralph and some of our team were at a conference and Pastor Rick was preaching. 
there's times when sense anointing of God, he sensed like something different. There was something different. That was a powerful, powerful time and message. And one of the things that I noticed is like there's a different level of anointing on somebody when they've been broken. Arrogance is all stripped and self is all gone and you're just you hit rock bottom and here's the thing when you hit rock bottom you hit the rock <laughs> when there's nothing else you go I can't sink any lower all of a sudden you realize wait a second this is solid and you're going I can stand this and that rock is God that's sometimes you don't know God is all you need until God is all you have and the writer of Hebrews said listen our God is the anchor that will not give out no matter the pressure put on him. No matter the pressure put on him. Jesus is always our hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you thank you that we can lean on you God right now we cast all of our cares on you because you care for us Lord I pray right now Holy Spirit I pray that you'd minister to the person who's felt hopeless beaten down lost says in Romans 10 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead you will be saved and I wanted to run through a prayer right now with you that does just that so uh, while you're watching on your computer screens your phone screens uh, just repeat this prayer after me dear Jesus I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead and I ask you now to become my Lord my Savior my friend I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you right now my heart is yours in Jesus name Amen if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. We'd love to be able to send you a Bible. Uh, if you click on the link that has been posted in the chat live there uh, and fill that form out, we'll send you a Bible. We'd love to connect uh, and just congratulate you on an amazing decision that you've just made. Uh, and yeah, just celebrate with you as an online team here. Uh, and yeah, again, congratulations. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.